Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. In this episode, we are taking a twofold journey into Jim Henson's beloved and divisive fantasy epic, The Dark Crystal. For the first half hour, our resident Dark Crystal geek, me, takes a deep dive into The Dark Crystal and its new Netflix prequel series, Age of Resistance. I have attempted to do this with few to no spoilers for the movie or the show. Then, at around the 36-minute mark, the whole gang is back together, some of them seeing The Dark Crystal for the first time some 37 years after its release, and arguing about it. The second half contains spoilers for It and The Fifth Element. In 1977, beloved Muppet creator Jim Henson had begun to imagine a fantasy film. In August, he wrote in his journal, quote, make deal with Brian Froud to do great film, end quote. An avid illustrator of fairies, trolls, and ogres, Froud would meet with Henson in New York to populate what was then a blank slate of collaborative potential. It wasn't until February of the following year, while snowed in at John F. Kennedy Airport, that Henson began to draft a story for what he was calling The Crystal. Of course, it now seems hilariously fitting that the word dark made it in there. The road to creating the Dark Crystal was not an easy one. Henson's close friends and collaborators described the project as something only he could see, an obsession that clouded his judgment and consumed his creative energy, squandering the popularity of his Muppet characters. And though the scope of the endeavor was itself impressive, everyone thought Jim Henson had lost his mind. He was insisting that most of the Dark Crystal's characters speak an alien language of screeches, squawks, with some ancient Greek and Egyptian thrown in for good measure. So convinced was he that the narrative would gel visually. But an early screening of a languageless Dark Crystal bewildered its audience and frustrated its investors. Jim wrote two words in his journal that night. Not great. The studio worried they had tanked some $25 million on an art film, an experiment that would likely never see the light of day. The film's distributors at Universal insisted that Henson redub the entire movie with English dialogue, a monumental task that involved counting the mouth movements of puppets so that screenwriter David O'Dell could draft the appropriate amount of syllables. But with the studio nitpicking the process to death, Henson opted to use nearly every cent to his name at the time and buy the movie back from the studio. Though it divided audiences upon its release in 1982 and continues to divide audiences today, here we are still talking about the dang thing. And now here we are revisiting the world of the Dark Crystal. From the opening moments of the Netflix prequel series, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, it is readily apparent that you are watching TV and not a movie. This might be good or bad or neither, but it is what it is, TV. The creative genius behind The Dark Crystal, the film for which Age of Resistance acts as a prequel series, was Jim Henson. And Jim Henson was no stranger to television. It was the potential of TV that first inspired Henson to pursue a career in entertainment. His first foray into the industry, Sam and Friends, was on TV. And the first of many lasting legacies, Sesame Street, was on TV. His first huge hit, The Muppet Show, was on TV. Late in his life, Jim Henson continued to push the television envelope with a show called The Storyteller. Jim Henson was not a stubborn purist. He liked television and film. He liked family entertainment and experimental filmmaking. He was interested in new ideas, new technologies, new methodologies for art and entertainment. 
Were he alive today, his longtime collaborator Frank Oz theorizes he might feel most at home at a place like Pixar. A shrewd businessman and prolific creator, Henson gravitated toward the place of possibility. He wanted to make stuff and do stuff. Jim Henson's daughter, Cheryl, recalled that simply completing the dark crystal was crucial to her father. We have this phrase, she recalled, what is done is beautiful. At a certain point on a project, you just have to finish. Beginning and completing projects, moving on to the next thing, was what kept Henson busy. But Henson was more than a workhorse. Even a cursory scan of his life's work reveals an auteur, an experimental and groundbreaking artist of unparalleled fearlessness and vision that still seems ahead of his time. In all of Jim Henson's creative lifespan, no single work of genius best represents the convergence of the man's uncompromising artistic sophistication and determined work ethic than his film, The Dark Crystal. And I stress the word film. The Dark Crystal is pure cinema. This is true long before and long after we exhaust a well-worn list of all the ways in which The Dark Crystal is noteworthy. It was the first and last film to be entirely populated with sophisticated creature puppetry, and none of said puppet characters are human. For many children of the 80s, myself included, The Dark Crystal became a formative cinematic experience a film unlike any other with a willingness to embrace its own strangeness, unheard of in mainstream movie making. The Dark Crystal is not the charming but creepy kid fun of the 1984 film The NeverEnding Story, nor is it the Dungeons and Dragons-like high fantasy of Ron Howard's Willow. The Dark Crystal creates an entirely new world from the ground up, a world marked by a jarring visual dichotomy best represented in the slow and gentle lizard-like mystics and their darker halves, the cruel Skeksis, a shuffling bone heap of buzzard meets dinosaur. But after all the celebrating of Dark Crystal's creative and technological achievements subsides, we're still left with a movie— a movie that, upon its release, divided critics and audiences and failed to achieve either popularity or box office success. It is dark, scary, nearly humorless, and very strange. Henson was devastated. This had been his passion project, a labor of love. He'd hoped to be recognized as an auteur, a creative pioneer. Today, he is. The Dark Crystal enjoys an enduring legacy. It is studied and screened in theaters and at events. The puppet characters are displayed in museum exhibitions. There are novels and comic books and podcasts and board games. People like me give their kids the middle name Henson because of it. I did that. The Dark Crystal is number two in my list of all-time favorite films. I've been puzzling over and adoring it for as long as I can remember watching movies at all. And sure, I like to geek out on the world of the Dark Crystal. I've read the novelization. I've read the comic book prequels and sequels. I even pitched a prequel novel back in 2014. But even for me, the Dark Crystal is, first and foremost, a movie. One movie. The extra stuff is there, some of it cool, some of it decidedly less so. But the movie is the real deal. The only real deal. I've also gone on in the past about the way I think the medium of TV is always inferior to the medium of film, but let's not turn the entire audience against me just yet. Under normal circumstances, I don't watch TV shows. 
But when Netflix announced in 2017 that they were developing a prequel television series for The Dark Crystal, especially after years of a film sequel languishing in development hell before ultimately being canceled, I knew I would watch it. To return to the world of a once obscure, now cult classic film 37 years later, especially a film created with a medium no one really uses anymore, is a weird experience to say the least. Some of the experience was wonderful, a little of it wasn't. Visually, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, is both frustrating and awe-inspiring. The puppet characters have been lovingly recreated and updated with tasteful subtlety to make them even more incredible. In both the original film and in Age of Resistance, our protagonists are Gelfling, a unique species of elf-like creatures. The Gelfling characters in Age of Resistance make their predecessors in the original film look stiff by comparison. Even Henson was frustrated by the original Gelfling, unable to bring them to a place of satisfying realism. In Age of Resistance, that work is complete. One Gelfling in particular, Brea, puppeteered by Alice Dinian and voiced by Anya Taylor-Joy, is so beautifully crafted and performed with such personality that one forgets she's a puppet at all. But the improvements to Thra, the world where the events of the Dark Crystal unfold, go well beyond Gelflings. Visually dazzling though the original film may be, some of its ambition is visibly dated. From the paper cutout look of early blue screen technology to flapping crystal bats that transform before our eyes to crude 2D animation, The Dark Crystal is a mixed bag of timeless craftsmanship and admirable pioneering, some of which falls short of its very lofty ambition. Age of Resistance does fantastic justice to that ambition, making good on what was groundbreaking in 1982 and what was unrealized potential. That the show's creators could emphasize a largely practical approach and lovingly elevate that approach to a place of dazzling digital realism is near unbelievable. And yet, there it is. The only visible lapse in quality is an Age of Resistance depiction of the mystics, the four-armed Saurian contemplatives of Thra. In The Dark Crystal, the mystics are mysterious and believable, but in Age of Resistance, they're wide-eyed and almost goofy, a strange visible disconnect from their original counterparts, and not for the better. Even so, the world of Thra is as lavishly detailed as it was 37 years ago and then some. Even the show's sound design contributes to the believability of Thra as a very real, very big world, using its 5.1 surround tracks to achieve rich, immersive sonic detail. There is CG here, and a decent amount of it, but almost all of it is married to the show's primarily practical approach with gorgeous results. There are CG landscapes and architecture. Some larger, more nimble creatures are fully CG in wide shots, but become puppets when the camera closes in, a la Jurassic Park. CG is used to make the show's practical effects even more convincing in their practicality. One character, a living arrangement of stones called lore, was created by combining CG, practical rod puppets, and motion capture technology. Lore can turn his cylindrical forearm like a phonograph, using an index finger stone as a needle to play back a recorded message. As the puppet's arm turns, stone on stone, a small spray of CG sparks issues from the exchange. Most of the show's digital effects are this subtle and or seamless, and they look fantastic. If anyone is complaining about the deft use of CG in Age of Resistance, I suspect it would be for purist bragging rights rather than actual aesthetic concerns. 
Jim Henson, though obviously enthusiastic about puppetry, did not think of himself primarily as a puppeteer. Jim was famously enthusiastic about using every tool in the box, and Dark Crystal loyalists are likely far more precious about preserving the film's practical effects than Jim would be himself. When the Jim Henson Company first approached Netflix about revisiting the world of the Dark Crystal, the pitch was for an animated series. It was Netflix who pressed for a live-action series, and that with puppets, to which Lisa Henson replied, Are you sure? It's really difficult. A 2016 video pitch tested the possibilities of using fully CG Gelfling characters alongside practical Skeksis puppets, an approach the creative team uniformly agreed yielded problematic results. A puppet may look like a puppet, but ironically, the CG Gelfling looked fake by comparison. Look, the team conceded, we're just doing it with puppets and that's it. In the end, Age of Resistance is realized with augmented puppetry, real practical effects with subtle CG flourishes, most of which will likely escape the notice of the average viewer. It's an approach I suspect would have excited Jim Henson. Not every feat of VFX trickery sticks the landing. A CG gelfling clambering up a staircase looks jarring and bizarre, as does a fully CG Skeksis scrambling spider-like through the treetops of a dark forest. To be fair, the same weirdo problem happens in the original film when human actors in suits are used to portray Gelfling in wide shots. For the worst, most horrifying instance of this effect, see Miss Piggy on roller skates in The Muppets Take Manhattan. But where Age of Resistance departs most significantly from its source material is in the way the show is photographed. The visual approach to the original Dark Crystal film was realized with an intentionally gritty, ancient-looking palette of sepias, crimsons, and violets. The final film of cinematographer Oswald Morris, the Dark Crystal is lit and shot like a film meant to be seen in a cinema. Age of Resistance is not. Morris shot the Dark Crystal on 35mm film with anamorphic lenses. Age of Resistance was shot digitally using red cameras, and the difference is immediately visible. Of course, fancy digital footage can be dressed up to resemble film, and it's not so much the method as what I'm sure was a deliberate aesthetic decision by series cinematographer Eric Wilson, who was director of photography on the Paddington films previously. The experience is a bit like watching expensively shot and edited bonus features. Everything looks nice, professional, but it doesn't look like a movie. It looks a bit lower level, kind of plastic. It looks like TV. As episode one begins, Sigourney Weaver's narration rings out over a world-building prologue, and the viewer is prepared for what will be thoroughly TV. And this makes for a conflicting experience, as the world itself is created in such incredible and extravagant cinematic detail, but filmed in a way that looks uncinematic. In Age of Resistance, the camera never stops moving. It floats on steady cams, drifts on dollies, roves on cranes, ever the mobile observer in this vast universe. But in Jim Henson's original, the camera is almost entirely planted. From the opening shot, throughout the menacing first sequence, and beyond, the world of Thra is revealed in glorious wide shots and painterly masters. This was, to be fair, as pragmatic as aesthetic. Hiding puppeteers is hard enough without the camera sweeping all over the place, revealing pesky rods and raised arms. 
The Practical Concern gives us a movie that reveals itself in a series of paintings. Whether it's the horrifying Skeksis frozen in the replenishing gaze of the dark crystal, or the wandering mystics as they traverse the hills of Thra, the castle of the crystal before them. The dark crystal is designed as a theatrical experience. Age of Resistance, though visually splendid in its own right, doesn't offer any comparable shots. It presents itself like a TV show. But something else is readily apparent from the outset of that first monologue. This thing is paced like a TV show. Whereas the Dark Crystal opens on a wide shot of a menacing black castle growing cancer-like from a dying landscape, lightning crashing across an inky black sky, Age of Resistance begins with a garish, overblown swirl of CG exposition complete with stone figures for some reason. Our narrator dumps a novel's worth of backstory in two and a half minutes of avalanching imagery and exposition you don't need because the show will give it to you if you could just wait a freaking second. But no, since this is TV, you must be bludgeoned with information, and as fast as possible. It's the screen equivalent of that guy at a party who thinks someone isn't telling a story correctly, so they barge in, trampling and obscene, to fix it. This is perhaps the only area in which Age of Resistance seems to deliberately flaunt its legacy. Whereas the original refuses to spoon-feed the audience its own expectations, Age of Resistance ladles it on thick, explaining itself so sure you can't follow otherwise. Like the original film, Age of Resistance begins its narrative proper within the crystal chamber of the Skeksis castle. The Skeksis are all there, some old, some new, gathered around the eponymous Dark Crystal, observing a ritual that, for fans of the movie, is familiar and exciting. In the original film, a baritone voice offers the literary setup, though unapologetically fantasy, it's simple compared to Age of Resistance. The opening credits ornament the sequence as Trevor Jones' ominous and operatic score booms out over grotesque close-ups of the hideous Skeksis, their eyes locked in a violet tractor beam of the strange crystal. The voiceover complete, the scene unfolds wordlessly, taking its time, setting a menacing pace and tone for what will follow. Age of Resistance subverts expectations by interrupting the ritual we expect to see. This is good, promising. But then the Skeksis go full TV. They're bickering a detailed setup because TV talks where movies show. TV is about exposition and movement. TV takes a no-loitering approach to narrative. We have places to go, people to see. Why are we brooding? Why are we wasting time with ambiguity and atmosphere? Get these characters talking, explaining things, moving things along. TV is not cinematic, though, to be fair, I'm told shows like HBO's adaptation of Big Little Lies or Chernobyl and Drive director's Nicholas Winding Refn's Too Old to Die Young are working to subvert this norm. Since this is a TV show, mood and atmosphere, though present, take a backseat to dialogue, exposition, and, in Age of Resistance case, elaborate political infighting. Division amongst Gelfling matriarchs and the seven clans they lead is this show's equivalent of the Galactic Senate in The Phantom Menace. Apparently, this is all reminiscent of the wildly popular Game of Thrones, which I have not seen, but to which the show is almost constantly compared. It's TV conflict. And if that's what you're used to, Age of Resistance does this well, without coming across as cheesy or ham-fisted. 
Age of Resistance is a fantasy geek's ideal, complete with mythological vocabularies and social structures and catchphrases, much more so than the Dark Crystal's elegant restraint. And all of this communicates in a way that doesn't feel like an egregious deviation. Where else would we go but big? It's been 37 years, man. But I didn't worry about any of this prior to the show's release. Given the Jim Henson Company's strange insistence to pump out Dark Crystal-adjacent YA novels, shudder. I was worried the creative powers that be, over time, had abandoned Henson's willingness to create something complex and upsetting. I was preparing myself for a watered-down, sanitized reboot voided of the strange, sinister, and often abstract slow burn of the Dark Crystal that once divided its audience. This concern, it turns out, was for naught. Blood runs, sores ooze, bones snap, swords impale, urine sprays. There's an intense on-screen death in episode one. But more importantly, the narrative expects more from the viewer than the mindless kiddie pool world of YA storytelling. For decades, viewers have puzzled over whether The Dark Crystal was or was not intended for younger viewers, but Henson at least understood they would be in his audience. Co-director Frank Oz noted that Henson, quote, didn't think it was healthy for children to always feel safe, end quote. So the Dark Crystal thought highly of its viewers, believing they could handle something complex and otherworldly, something as scary as it was lovely. At the heart of Dark Crystal's infamous unfriendliness are the Skeksis. In the original 1982 one-sheet that promoted the film, the gorgeous illustration by the prolific Richard Amsel features a handful of the film's creature cast, but towering over all of them is the intimidating and alien shape of a Skeksis, a skeletal bird of prey garbed in royal robes and ornate jewelry. The genesis for all of the Dark Crystal came when Jim Henson, while browsing a picture book version of Lewis Carroll's The Pigtail, happened upon an illustration by Leonard Lubin of crocodiles in a Victorian bathroom. That bizarre dichotomy, threatening oversized reptiles set against a royal backdrop, gave way for the ideas that became the Dark Crystal. Thus, when most people think Dark Crystal, the first image that comes to mind is a Skeksis. Age of Resistance gets this. There's even a fantastic redux of the Skeksis banquet sequence, Henson's favorite scene in the original movie, that so understands why the imagery is memorable, and this new take is a hideous delight. The joy of beholding the Skeksis, the key to their character, is in their grotesque decadence, a rotten kind of opulence. They are more than generic power-hungry fairy tale antagonists. The social structure of the Skeksis is a complicated tangle of evils, reflecting the philosophical considerations that compelled Henson to design this divided world of Thra. One scene in which a Skeksis debates a Gelfling inside a speeding stagecoach, a refreshingly complex bit of dialogue, realizes these philosophical implications wonderfully. Another sequence later in the series featuring a mystic called the Archer and his dark half, the Hunter, taps into greater ideas of the Dark Crystal with such mysterious emotional resonance that it haunted my imagination for days. But the original Dark Crystal is not as socio-politically charged as some journalists would have us believe. Jim Henson was preoccupied with a loony New Age document called The Seth Material, a volume his co-director Frank Oz found ridiculous. And Henson's allegorical concerns were almost entirely mystic and existential. 
The entertainment press, ever obsessive in their insistence that viable art must adhere to woke ideology, is insisting that Age of Resistance is a covert commentary on climate change or the 1%, and maybe it is. But the film from which the show is derived was more metaphysically minded. What does it mean to be made up of parts both good and evil? To be sure, all the fantasy tropes, the hero's journey, the uprising of underdog good against powerful evil, are all here. But so is that conversation around dichotomy and division. Given the innately elongated structure of the TV format, Age of Resistance, like most TV series I've seen, has the space to trip up, and it does. Not unlike the truly stupid scene of Walter White revving his convertible to blaring dubstep music, Age of Resistance passes the halfway point before it decides to, at least for a bit, stop taking itself seriously. Early attempts at humor are charming and fun. An already famous sequence in which a Gelfling volunteer group called the Order of Lesser Services sets out to bathe a tribe of dirt-loving podlings feels consistent with the show's tone and aesthetic. But much later, in episode 7, we meet two characters, voiced by Andy Sandberg and Bill Hader respectively, that would be more at home in Jim Henson's other beloved puppet feature, Labyrinth. Here, they induce a 45-minute eye roll. The show's co-creator, Jeff Addis, told Gizmodo that this goofy duo was based on the protagonist dynamic in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and if that sounds weird to you, it's because it is. There's even a depressing meta-joke about puppetry that could be the low point in the season, though the writer responsible cites it as perhaps the finest accomplishment of his professional career. To each their own, I guess. Conceptually, these characters, the Wanderer and the Heretic, are interesting. They should work, but in execution, they're silly. Silliness isn't inherently bad, but here it feels misplaced, though it will likely appeal to a certain audience. Duration works against Age of Resistance in other ways as well. With a world this dense, repeated viewings would undoubtedly reveal layer after layer of riches easily overlooked upon first viewing. If it were a movie, I'd probably be watching Age of Resistance again and again for years to come. But at some 10 hours, even watching the show twice is an undertaking. Though a writing trio led the series, there are nine writing credits on the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and it shows. The meta-narrative is cohesive enough, brought together by primary developers Will Matthews, Jeffrey Addis, and Javier Grillo Marksock, but the strengths and weaknesses of each writer, nearly a different pin on each episode, are enough to make for an occasionally disparate experience. To his credit, director Louis Latirier, who has nothing comparable in his entire filmography, manages to bring this many voices together in a satisfying way. When Latirier was announced as the series director in 2017, I thought it was a bad idea. It's hard to imagine why the director of Clash of the Titans, Now You See Me, and The Incredible Hulk would come to anyone's mind when they thought of The Dark Crystal. But, lo and behold, he really showed up. Latirier directed all ten episodes, something that almost never happens in a miniseries, and as a result, Age of Resistance is a show that feels decidedly directed. Of course, it also seemed strange when then-new and experimental Marvel Studios announced they'd hired the dude who directed Elf to helm their flagship release, Iron Man. It seemed even weirder when they handed Captain America over to two brothers who had only worked on the show Community. Later, those brothers would helm the biggest movie of all time, so I guess it worked out. 
Marvel Studios took more than one calculated risk on directors who were not obvious fits in terms of experience and credentials, but who were wildly enthusiastic about the material, a risk that has, at this point, paid off some 20-plus times. The feature-length making-of documentary, The Crystal Calls, an experience nearly as satisfying as the series itself, radiates affection for the show's source material. The writers, producers, puppeteers, everyone from the director to the guys sculpting foam latex all articulate a profound respect for the Dark Crystal and for any of the show's problems, Age of Resistance is palpably devoted to the original movie and the people that made it. And some of them are back. Veteran Henson Company creatives like Brian Froud, Dave Goles, and Kevin Clash are all present. The loudest and most mysterious absence is of Frank Oz, Jim Henson's right-hand man and co-director of The Dark Crystal. Oz, who has been openly critical of the rebooted Muppets, has not addressed his lack of involvement nor expressed any enthusiasm for or reticence about Age of Resistance. It's impossible to know for sure whether or not Age of Resistance suffers from Oz's absence, but it's hard to imagine a living person as closely connected to the Dark Crystal, and Oz's silence is deafening. With or without Oz, Age of Resistance is, of course, very different from the Dark Crystal. Actor Taron Edgerton, famous for his roles in Rocket Man and the Kingsman movies, practically stumbling over himself to emphasize his adoration for the Dark Crystal, points out that the film leaves so many questions, so much mythological wilderness unexplored. He's not wrong, but it's also true that the implication of the greater world, though our glimpse into it is very narrow, demonstrates a creative restraint that makes Dark Crystal so wonderful. The movie isn't interested in an elaborate backstory or justifying its own weirdness. This is just a place. You're here now. There's a story already set in motion. Some modern viewers, viewers adjusted to a 2019 kind of TV pacing, who are setting down in the world of the Dark Crystal for the first time are baffled that a movie this weird doesn't bother to explain itself. Why do the mystics chant? Who or what is Agra anyway? How did the shard get where it wound up? But the Dark Crystal is like a page torn from an ancient tome pinned on another world. But going on about the differences between the original film and the prequel series is pointless. Brian Froud had developed with Jim Henson an elaborate mythology for the world of the Dark Crystal, though much of it doesn't show up in the final cut of the film. Though the world in which the story unfolds was called Thra prior to filming, no one actually says Thra in the movie. But in the show, every character says it dang near every sentence. For Thra, Thra have mercy. I am Thra. Thra, Thra, Thra. Other terms like trine and the proper names of the individual Skeksis are similarly absent from the source material, though wielded without restraint here. I noticed this not because the show's mythological vocabulary is itself tiring, but because later in this same narrative, by the time we get to the events of the film, no one talks like this anymore. Apparently, all it takes is a few trying for everyone on Thra to stop saying Thra all the time. There are a handful of other possible inconsistencies. Podling Essence reverses aging, if not for a moment, but here, Gelfling Essence does no such thing despite the fact that the original film claims it works best for exactly that, but who knows. Many of the iconic voices from the original Dark Crystal are either dead or retired, leaving new actors in the challenging position of recreating familiar characters. 
Simon Pegg injects new life into the Chamberlain with a pitch-perfect impression of the late Barry Denon's original work, and Donna Kimball revives Billy Whitelaw's Augra with such accuracy that there's no audible difference at all. Mark Hamill doesn't really sound like the original Skektek, the Skeksis scientist. He sounds like he's doing his beloved Joker voice, but his performance is no worse for it. But an area where Age of Resistance does fall painfully short of its legacy is its music. Trevor Jones' score for the 1982 film is ominous and operatic, complete with a memorable and iconic theme. Daniel Pemberton and Samuel Sims' Age of Resistance score is bland and forgettable, a mostly themeless, Celtic-sounding beige wallpaper that does nothing to elevate the visual splendor. The main cue from Trevor Jones' score features twice, reminding the audience that things could be much better. In the end, Age of Resistance doesn't quite have the courage to go where the original film insists it must, because Age of Resistance is more concerned with the possibility of another season. The show refreshingly avoids the tiresome wink-wink-ta-da tendencies of prequels like Solo, A Star Wars Story, which seemed obsessed with answering questions no one asked. There's enough here to satisfy insiders. Fans of the original film will, for example, notice that Skektek the scientist has both his eyes when the show begins, a hint of something to come. But moments like these are played with subtlety rather than bravado. Of course, like any prequel, the informed viewer knows from the outset where things must go, but not how they get there. That's fine. The question really is whether or not there is an interesting story in those gaps. The Dark Crystal, like many beloved sci-fi and fantasy films, implies a massive world into which the viewer is given a relatively small glimpse. Many a similar property has been demolished in the attempt to set the viewer down in previously unexplored realms of said world, see Star Wars or Terminator for example. Age of Resistance miraculously avoids this, even though there are moments when it comes dangerously close. Obsessive genre fiction fans, read geeks, can be possessive and unforgiving. I am, I guess, a Dark Crystal geek, but I am first and foremost a lover of a film called The Dark Crystal, more so than I am obsessive about the mythology and world of the movie. It matters less to me that we see geek expectations honored than it does seeing an outgrowth of the original film that is aesthetically consistent with the source material in a meaningful sense. Executing fabulous visuals and incredible feats of puppetry is one admirable thing, but bringing those things together in a place that is tonally congruent with a very strange cult movie is probably even more challenging. For the most part, Age of Resistance pulls this off. In an announcement teaser ran by Netflix all the way back in May of 2017, Jim Henson can be heard saying in footage from 1982, quote, It was the most work, the most difficult, but it was the most fun, the most rewarding, and of all my projects, it's the one that I am most proud of. Henson was devastated by the mixed reaction to The Dark Crystal. He had risked much and given more to see this strange thing that had never been done before to fruition. In the years that followed, The Dark Crystal found its audience. And though it's a smaller group than, say, Marvel or Star Wars geeks, it's every bit as obsessively dedicated. But the critical fervor surrounding Age of Resistance is perhaps even more vindicating than the original film's cult following. Critics aren't just pleasantly surprised, they are, by and large, blown away. Far from the confused and tepid reaction to Jim Henson's original masterwork upon release, Age of Resistance has opened to trumpeting fanfare and near-universal acclaim. 
Paste Magazine's TV editor, Allison Keene, described the show as not just one of the best TV shows of the year, it could be the best TV show of the year. Slash Film, rating it 9.5 out of 10, described it as a bona fide fantasy masterpiece. Matt Fagerholm of RogerEbert.com called it, quote, one of the all-time great fantasy epics. 90% of major outlets reviewing Age of Resistance did so positively, according to the review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, and the positive reviews aren't just kindly, they are wildly celebratory. A dark crystal purist could feel cynical about this, but to me it feels like creative vindication for Jim Henson's vision. But Age of Resistance accomplishes something even more noteworthy than winning over critics and audiences with a completely puppet-populated fantasy epic. In an age of money-hungry, nostalgia-fueled sequels and reboots, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance manages to justify its own existence. It's 2019, and Netflix just released a prequel miniseries based on the Jim Henson film The Dark Crystal, but... Decades prior to that, Jim Henson made a film called The Dark Crystal in, uh, that was released in 1982, uh, and it's something that has come up on the podcast in passing here and there. And since we don't talk usually about TV shows proper on You Hate Movies because it's called You Hate Movies, uh-huh. I says to myself, I says, how can we find an excuse to talk about The Dark Crystal at length? And I said... The best thing I can think of is first impressions. And lo and behold, Bethany Allen had never seen The Dark Crystal in her life, <laughs> in her many years. Like 20. <laughs> in her very few <laughs> young two. years. Like hot age years. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tyler Hans had also not seen uh, The Dark Crystal. Right. Yeah. He's also on the show. Missed it. And his hot age this years. Ki- this, ki- this came out in 82. Yeah. Isn't that like the official uh, year that millennials were being born? Yeah, right? I think that's the end of Gen X mm-hmm. is 82. So Dark Crystal's a millennial. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dark Crystal, is the movie itself yeah. is a yeah, millennial. Yeah, the movie is a millennial. Matt, you had seen The Dark Crystal, am I right? Yes, that's correct. I'd and, seen it. And Patrick, you s- you've seen The Dark Crystal? I've seen it many times. Uh, back in the one episode we did on like a uh, personal top ten movies, I'm the only one who made a list so far because none of these guys. I've made a list. Good. You won't let me record the episode. I've had won't my list for two years. We've won't got a lot better you? things to talk yeah, about. I keep. It's true. Matt keeps begging. And I keep saying, "Would you Matt, let me do?" I bring. I bring the Blu-ray around of the one movie on my list that none of you have seen you and do. none of you will watch it with me. <laughs> that true. is a fact. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> if you really want that episode, you better leave a comment the, on this. It's the one with Natalie Portman. Yeah, man, Leon the Professional, little baby Natalie. Given spoilers, that's on my list. That's oh, one man. of them. Yeah, now we, we know, know, man. We know that's an ad for that episode. For oh. sure, you've got mail. <laughs> Is on Matt's list. Is on my list. Okay, but that's not as good as Sleepless in Seattle. Right. Oh, we Hold should on, do wait. something on yeah, that. Yeah, we should say a lot about that. I have. Oh, right. That was a great episode. That was. Remember how our last, uh, the episode, I believe for Once Upon a Time, time I yeah. just had a lot of ads for previous episodes at the beginning. I think that's a solid mm. shtick. We could keep that up. It's going to start to sound like we're doing that on purpose, but really it was totally natural. Uh, back in that episode with my top 10 list, I listed The Dark Crystal as my number two favorite film of all time. Uh, so I thought that it would be really funny 
to talk about it with people who had seen it. Matt, did you grow up watching this movie or you just had seen it before in life? I saw it. I became aware of it and Labyrinth around the same time when I was in junior high, high school because okay. kids were like, dude, this is awesome. And my pastor dad hadn't let me watch creepy demon puppet movies. <laughs> and then all Good these years him. later, many years him. later, <laughs> uh, here's uh, Tyler and Bethany. So uh, I guess let's start with this. Bethany Allen, what was it? First of all, paint the scene for us because you were by yourself. Yep, <laughs> always. And just, <laughs> 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 just still. What? <laughs> what I meant was, on this particular occasion, you were alone in your living room. I was. And you were like, "Oh, let me put on this movie." They told me to watch for a podcast. You still got that tiny TV? It's not that tiny. It is like a thirty-something. And, and you sit like 30 feet away from no, it. No, I don't. Okay. You, you think your couch is, is so giant. far. It's not. It's, it's not so new. huge. We've you, been there. We you, set up a Christmas tree. It's these big. These suckers have been in my house for like three seconds. You've they rearranged. You've rearranged, right? You made us snacks. We I, were there for hours. I know how big my TV is. It was okay. big enough to see this whole movie. Okay. Not appreciate all the, the beautiful details and craftsmanship. I though. think I saw all of it that I could bear. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was as detailed as I wanted it to be. Oh and boy. Right. it was a struggle. So tell, I mean, tell us about <laughs> it. What was journey. it like? How were you feeling? How did you win the, well, the opening? I was hopeful. Of the I was like super hopeful about it. And no joke. I'm like, we have a text thread and I'm like, help what is happening <laughs> when it started out i'm like i think i missed something so i literally rewound it because i was like there's a lot of exposition what is happening what is this weird castle in the middle of the stormy <clears throat> place why is it purple like it was overwhelming and i was texting all these questions to the thread yeah i've got them right here do you want to hear some of them listeners yeah she's like first of all she said okay the movie or the show and then you know um Matt had to come in and say the movie, Bethy. It's you hate movies with the crying yes, laughing I emoji. Like shows. Yeah, we know you like shows. And also, I didn't know if that's what we were. No, she took fair. it in stride. She said, "Okay, thumbs up." It's been a long time, you know. And then she says, uh, "Right, probably as the movie's starting." Wait. So is the dark crystal the lizard bad guys are worshiping? Just the sliver of it, or is or is it the main baby? <laughs> Then she said, with no one answering that question, <laughs> I will say, you got to really pay attention to keep up with this story. I need a chart or something. Which but she isn't at this point because she's texting. But then listen, <laughs> one minute later, that was at 7.17. One minute later, never mind, I'm tracking now. And then <laughs> she says, another question. <laughs> this was Colin. my favorite question. <laughs> Is this puppet boy someone in a suit or a string puppet or something else? And then she said, also, never mind on the first question, just found out Jen slash J-E-N slash G-I-N slash G-E-N has to get the sliver. And then uh, one of her subsequent questions was, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I says back to her, Jim Henson performs Jen, not the voice. And then she said, oh, cool. It's hard to imagine where his hand is sometimes because, <laughs> because Jen is walking around and hanging in ropes, you know? <laughs> yeah that's fair these, these are all like legitimate these are all really questions to me yeah and then she made a very astute observation that some of the puppets sound like yoda yes. which makes a lot of sense right. well it doesn't it doesn't because frank oz doesn't actually voice any of these oh characters. doesn't he <laughs> then it makes no sense <laughs> but he does puppeteer 
uh, both Agra and one of the Skeksis. So then she, her final comment before it was over, she said, OMG, the baby Gelfling sucking its thumb and heart eyes. Because it was so cute. She liked that. And then apparently the rest of the movie goes by because that's in the first act. And then she goes, hmm, well, that was something. And then Matt said, something awesome. She goes, I don't know. <laughs> so now that you've had some time to reflect, what can you tell us? What I'd like to imagine your face while you're watching it. I wish I could have been there. It, um... <coughs> I'm so distracted. We're looking at a picture in your dark crystal book of this of the guy, Jen, Jen and you can, he has a pee pee. <laughs> Can't handle it. Jen, Jen is oh fully, Jen is fully anatomically correct. He's fully anatomical in this. this oh, yeah. photo. but it's like small without his clothes on. Yeah, you know, Patrick, describe what you're seeing here. <laughs> yeah, why did they give him a weenie balls? Paint a picture for I our can't. listeners. It's so Very inappropriate. <laughs> why would they do that? It's not necessary, but maybe he's trying know. to get in character. It's even weirder because <laughs> he doesn't you, have the wig on the puppet, so, what so we're it's seeing just this here, bald baby. Yeah, what we're seeing here is a behind-the-scenes <laughs> photograph of the puppeteer with Jin. Jin is either being constructed or deconstructed. He's not wearing any clothes, no hair. Nothing but this false skin at the very base of the puppet and dangling right there between <laughs> its legs is a little tiny, little tiny gin. <laughs> Don't look at the other one. Now, no, why would that detail... That's his crystal Let's shard. Let's put this porn book away. <laughs> <laughs> why, would that, why would that be necessary to There's this There's a scene puppets? at the, the actual, the first, actually the first shot you see of gin, he is fully nude. Oh. Right, because oh, he's like washing, yeah. playing, like playing his pipes or, or whatever by the river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a really, it was nothing that I expected because you guys usually do a good job with the nostalgic stuff. I really generally like what, we, what you give me. But this like one. Like when we watched Predator. Was just like, well, I hated that. <laughs> but this one was just like from beginning to end. I was like, what am I looking at? I think my face was like a little bit open mouth. Oh, like, and like, like a gelfling. Just like always those. slightly right. open mouth. And I was sort of like, wait a second. This can't be. There has to be something to the story I'm missing because it's so simple and boring. And it was. And I'm. Yeah, I just thought this, this is, is Josh's number two. I know. And I, that's why I really had conflict driving over here because I was like, I love Josh Porter. I don't want. Lo- I don't want things to separate us. But this but you hate his is, is a bad. But you cracked the crystal of our friendship. Really mm-hmm. horrible bad movie, and it was like snooze fest. I was like bored, and I didn't like the girl puppet. I thought Ooh, you didn't she like Kira. Was, What's wrong with Kira? Well, Kira man, she's or Akira? weird and Kira. She, Kira. I just thought the whole, even their journey to like. That big mean girl puppet who was like, yeah, Agra, here's Agra. all my crystals. <laughs> that was Frank Oz. That was Yoda. Yeah. Mother yeah. Agra. Yeah. yeah Saw it just, I thought they would just be better characters. The whole thing was just really disappointing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I couldn't track totally. There wasn't enough context for the stories like, to get me in it. It was like 10 like, minutes of exposition at the beginning. No. It's maybe one minute of exposition. It's not a ton. Beginning. And it's, it's just like, time. it's just like in this land and blah, blah, blah. And then. We're supposed to get it. There's like all these like lizard, bird things like yeah, vultures around this crystal. It's missing a shard, and I I still can't even. I still would like to know the actual story because I'm like you still need somebody. If the it. crystal did they did these bad bird lizards break the crystal? You didn't let, they said the name of these things so I many can't times remember. in the movie. I really it rhymes can't. with smexis. It's skexis. Skexis? Skexis. Skexis is singular. Skexis is plural. Skexis. Sex 
Freudian slip. Yeah, bunch of sexists. But those <clears throat> those things. Yeah. Like I just I don't understand the con- I don't understand why they got in power and what they were so bad. Why did they turn into powder when they die? Because they don't have souls. Why aren't the Christian monks or whatever they? I'm assuming yeah. that's what they are. Why yeah. don't they do anything about it other than waiting for the coming coming chosen one person? Hello, age old story. Like, yeah. well, yeah, sure, it's a monomyth. Which I thought was nice. I mean, I think that's nice, but it just didn't have any pizzazz to hook me in. Like, nobody was pizzazzy. Wow. Okay. I don't know. Is this intelligent? She doesn't I, appreciate the the puppet craftsmanship. Yes. Okay. World, I did think that little baby crafting. puppet was cute that they were shining the pink light on. Eventually, oh, I the podling. They stole it from. Yeah. They stole him, but he was like sucking his thumb or something. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. That was cute. But the rest, it was. I wish I would have watched it with you guys because I was like, I must be missing something. That's all I thought the whole time. I mean, if you don't understand that the the Christian monks and the Skeksis, the Christian monks, the ma- the mystics and the Skeksis are the same beings they split are. in two. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're the same. Like Who each split of them in two. They themselves did. You remember they, at the they end? There's those like two. white floating magic yes. ghosts. Yes. Those are Could like. Not understand what's happening. Okay, so those, those are this a Skeksis and a Mystic are each like paired up, and they came to Thra as those white ghost men, and then they were like, "We're gonna mess with this crystal because we want more power." And the crystal split them in two. One half of them was like good and peace loving, and one half of them is evil and selfish. And, and the then, evil side rose to power. And they had to wait for the three sons to be in conjunction yeah. so that they could heal the crystal and heal themselves. And the reason that the Skeksis turned to dust is because they are nothing but like... They're id. the shadow side. Yeah, they're the shadow side. They have no soul. Oh. So when they die, they're just pure physicality. And so they crumble away as opposed to when the mystics die, like the master at the yeah. beginning, they like... They get a little twinkle. Do, yeah, they get a little twinkle, a little like Yoda dissolve... Yeah. You know? Well, that actually ha- was would have been helpful. Well, it w- that, that was all in the movie. Well, no, that that's not fair. Some of that wasn't. No, all right, some of it, it was. Uh, it was imp- it was implied. Yeah. Don't you think the three sun thing is interesting, especially after you see it with the three balls that are floating? <laughs> I thought about that. Is that a spoiler for it, Chapter Two? No, it's no. in it, Chapter One. Hmm. So it's, it's a spoiler for it, Chapter One. <laughs> it's a, spo- it's a but spoiler. But did you think that was interesting? I mean, oh, it's just fresh on your mind, huh? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, sure. Bethy, I want to talk about this more, but before we do, Tyler, we mm-hmm. haven't heard what you thought. You just watched the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Um, it's it's. <sighs> Be honest, though, because I feel like you're being too positive when I'm coming in here. I feel oh. like you're distracted because you're looking like at a I book. I know you better than that. It's like. Um, I would have hated it as a kid. It would not have played well for me. I just I'm still I'm still growing in my appreciation for puppets. Although this is We're all in process. Yeah. This <laughs> is by far the most astounding uh puppet craftsmanship. I think that I was really I was blown away the whole time by that. It was I don't even know how they did some of those shots. Can I ask a question about that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just Please. with the puppet thing. How yeah. do they walk? How does what walk? Well, the wide the shots of of 
Jin and Kira are just kids in They're costumes. They're real people. Okay. Yeah, they're kids in costumes. Okay. Kids running and then jumping. You know, right. those kids just, were great. They, they, that was fine. It still, it takes me out of it sometimes to I see that. Yeah, I don't like those shots. Because like, remember in like the Muppet movies were all just the scary one when Miss Piggy is like all of a sudden roller skating. Mm-hmm. See Muppets take Manhattan. Yeah, and she, this is obviously somebody in a costume. To me, that's terrifying because <laughs> I only yeah. see them as people they can bob. But to see like a full body movement is right. Remember Muppets Most Wanted when they had Kermit tap dancing? Yeah, that was great. That was yeah. a green screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, I like it when I like it when it's just they're running, but it's just a shot of their legs, and it is just the puppet legs. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's what I want to see when puppets are running. Yeah, that's quality. Just puppets. a man with two sticks going fast with some felt legs. I will say that uh, me and Tyler are sitting here watching it. The opening scene where the Skeksis are in the tractor beam of the crystal yeah. being replenished. And uh, there's like a subtle lip curl on one of the skexes as it's sitting there. And Tyler goes, hey, whoa, hey. Yeah. Check that out. Did you see that? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, they had to have been working on these puppets for but so long. Those skexes were like, super impressive. I always yeah. they looked so cool. The way that the skexes walk is there's a person inside them. Or yeah, there's two same. people inside them, there's, right? Yeah, there's a the person, person in there moving it and doing the hands, and then there's someone yeah. else in there doing yeah, the like head. Big Bird style. They have a monitor inside the body of the Skeksis so they can see what's on the outside. It's the same thing with the uh, the German Shepherd looking things. Well, wait a second. You are not asking yeah. me if I thought the puppets were cool in this movie. Well, then all you just took a different angle. You just took a different angle. It's fine. Yeah, you know Tyler. He's cool. all about those aesthetics. Tyler still hasn't commented to your arena yet. He's mm. just yeah. He hasn't actually said if he liked the movie. I like the puppets. That was great. I don't know how he did it. Way to go, Jim. I think Jim's name is James Henson. Yeah. That's in full. Well, James. Jimothy. Henson. Wherever you are, man. Well done. I don't, I, I don't know how he made some of the ground move in some of those shots. These giant puppets coming up out of this bizarre swamps. How did he do all that? I don't know. I don't, you, I'm not, I don't think you know. No, I'm just, I genuinely. I'm just asking the universe because he's not here to answer. Why don't you we'll ask have to get God, Frank Tyler. Oz. We'll have to ask Frank Oz. Uh, so that was great. You know, really, it it improved my appreciation for the craft of puppets. Uh, as far as the story goes, it felt very '80s, and I liked it more than I thought I would. Oh well. Wow. Oh, look at that. What does that mean? Like, Good give us a number <laughs> or something, because that's like, so yeah. I mean, I liked that you shot more than you, I. Were you expecting to actively dislike it? No, not actively dislike it. I, I've I appreciate eighties nostalgia, but but films like Labyrinth or Never Ending Story or, or whatever these other these other films have fallen the same genre. They don't really always do it for me. You know. Whoa. I like so Never that's, Ending that's, Story. That's upsetting. That's upsetting. To <laughs> yeah, me. I don't yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, they uh, they're all right. I've never loved them, so I thought that this would just be similar. But I liked it. I thought it was good. There you go. The story was good. I was tracking the whole time. There was there was a good amount of exposition on the front end. Sure. I thought, oh my gosh! And then Jen's inner monologue to keep us up on track with what's going on. I was like, man, really a lot of work. Yeah, I have a question. At one point when we were watching it, uh, there's a moment where <laughs> Jen stands up in the swamp and he hears a noise and he goes, "I don't like this." No, that's not how he said it. <laughs> and Tyler just could not <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, his inner man. monologue was a little silly at times, and there was one point where he's in a swamp and he, he did not like it, so he he said to himself, "I don't like this." <laughs> yeah, he like sing songs <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Thought, all right, yeah, sure. 
I think the no inner monologue thing was weird. Uh, Bethy, the, um, there's actually an interesting reason to speak to your complications. I don't think that you're, I don't mean to, this sounds like I'm trying to be a butthead if I say I'm not surprised, but it's a, it, it's a, mm-hmm. the reaction that you have is a reaction. A lot of people have to the dark crystal or is, especially if you're not, you are, but some people aren't accustomed to movies that are paced in a, like a movie made in the late seventies. Yeah, sure. Pacing. So they're like, what the heck is up with this? And then, um, his idea was kind of he wanted to do something that like required a lot of on the audience. So originally the the uh, movie only had English from the Gelflings and Ooh. the Skeksis and the Mystics spoke different languages. Right. And, and so he wanted to subtitle it? No subtitles. Just just, just you have to You just, just have to figure, figure it out, out. by tone. Yeah. He said he wanted it to be like a visual opera so that like you could you'd have to really like be like, "Oh my gosh, I wonder what's exactly happening." Mm-hmm. And there's uh, full-on cuts of that version and before the studio was finally like, they screened it for an audience. They were like, we'll screen it for an audience. And the audience was like, we have no idea what's going on. And uh, he was super devastated. So the, the uh, studio was like, you got to put some English in there, man. So at this point, the movie shot and edited. At least Kira got some nonsense. Yeah, she, yeah she still got to speak poggling. Yeah. They uh, they had to actually go in and count the syllables of the puppets' mouths, and be like, okay, what kind of lines can we put in there to Yikes. explain wow. what's happening? Um, which explains why sometimes it's almost like a, watching a cartoon. The they're not exactly moving perfect, or like there's you know some someone will talk off screen a lot. Um, and then the studio was kind of like, it, we still think that it's a little too weird. So he's like, I'm screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'll buy it back. He spent every dollar he had to buy it back from the studio with his own money and put it out. Um, because he was like, this was like his big thing. But still, even at the time, even in 1982, audiences were kind of like, because eh, there's all this like, oh, a thousand years have gone by when the story begins. And the audience is left to go like, well, geez, that's a lot of history. You get like a long narration <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And you're like, so, well, okay. And the only, you're getting like two days worth of content in a thousand year story. So everyone kind of, and then there's all this extra mythology, like Matt said, you know, Thra and the, you know, but the, no one in the movie ever says Thra. Oh, really? The planet. That, yeah. Oh, I'm, I think because I just finished watching the Netflix series. Yeah, all the additional mythology is in the show. I think I must have mushed those things together. I mean, they had written all that out. Yeah. But th- those those were the things that were being lifted out one piece at a okay. time. Um, so. I well, think you did well. Good for you, Jim. Yeah, I respect Jim a ton. So it's not like I didn't want to like it. I actually was trying to like it, but I was so... It was like a dip on the roller coaster. I was like, oh, this is not... I'm tr- I kept trying to think, like, pull up. Let's do it. No. It was a no. You were not, You were at least not visually engaged by how strange everything was? Yeah, I thought it looked really strange, but I was almost turned off by that. I think I was... I was I think I was turned off by how Jen and Kira looked. <laughs> well, yeah, they're they're not the best. They the Gelflings are the most dated things in it. But to see the like you didn't sit there watching those Skeksis have a banquet, eating raw meat and rats. Impressive. And like, yeah. I was just cool. impressed with the again the puppeteering. How did they make their hands grip the spaghetti in his <laughs> mouth? You know. <laughs> 
That's, it's impressive. I wasn't. I don't think I was actively, though, to be fair. I don't think I was actively thinking of all the mechanics of each thing. I think I was sort of just like gut level watching the movie. Sure. So I wasn't celebrating the craftsmanship as much as I probably could have. Sounds like you need to watch it again. Uh, because now you don't need to worry about the story and you can just delight in the minutia of the craftsmanship. Well, I think I'd like to watch Labyrinth because I feel like... Have you, you never seen Labyrinth? No, remember? Because I feel like you, these were the two you were like, well, so maybe I'll like I Labyrinth. Think you, I think, I think like you'll like Labyrinth yeah. more because David Bowie's got a nice wig on. I, I think that you'll track with Labyrinth's storyline a lot better. Labyrinth was his... Uh, Response to the failure of Dark right. Crystal. Oh, I mean, I feel like, sad. He's that like, let's put people in yeah. it. Let's put songs in it. Let's put jokes in it. Um, and, and then you end up with Labyrinth. Patrick, did you rewatch? Wake up, Patrick. For, for this, I did. I rewatched it last night. How does uh, Dark Crystal play for you now, as someone who watched it when they were a kid? It's got a lot of nostalgia for sure. sure. I still really like it because I always liked it. This was like one of those movies because we had a very Muppet friendly house growing up. It was all it was a very open Muppet. Yeah, we we appreciated puppets as kids, unlike Tyler's household. Yeah, house. man, I don't know what that was. <clears throat> Anti so we were watching Arizona. Like, I remember being terrified of it as a kid, especially the the beetle things chasing, like hunting the gelflings. You know, the Gartham. The Gartham yeah. yeah, those are scary. They are but scary. I, I thought it was still really great. The Tyler is right though. The, the story feels very eightiesy. Like it's very eighties. Like it's a big, massive story. You get a little sliver of it, and you just accept it. Like oh, okay, I don't need backstory or anything else. You got a lot of backstory. I mean, there's so much more though. Like you don't get the whole thing. You no, get, it's, it's a true. thousand years have passed. It's like oh wow. I remember uh, watching it. You know, we used to rent it all the time when we were kids. And we VHS. Were, yeah, we were really scared of it, but we had rent it. And it took me lots of viewings as a kid to piece together. I mean, I would have been very small, but um, I got that, you know, like it, by the time that <laughs> Jen stabs the Chamberlain's hand with the crystal shard and his hand opens up and yeah. then you see the mystic go, oh, my hand and yeah. blood comes out. I was like, oh, okay. I think that was I'm, the first clue. I'm starting to understand this a little bit better. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. The emperor died the, at same the same time, time as, as the master. Jen's master. Yeah. That was my question at the beginning. Thing, why, why are they dying the same night? Is this just coincidence? Yeah, lo and behold. Well, my question, maybe I missed this. Why were they dying? Because the, it had been a thousand years since the last, the, the Chris, the, this is, some of this, no, okay, let me try to stick to everything that's in the movie. Yeah. They cracked the crystal a thousand years prior. God died. Which I thought is they when cracked it during the last um, conjunction. Conjunction, which, yeah, was, a which was a thousand years, years ago. That's when the, they don't say their names in the movie except in the credit, but the Erskex are those glowy guys. Mm-hmm. They split. Uh, they were the ones who cracked the crystal. They say in our arrogance, mm-hmm. we which were trying to be- become more powerful. So they split. And then the Skeksis ruled it. The Skeksis ruled in the castle for a thousand years. They say that in the opening monologue. Um, right, because the opening monologue says when the crystal cracked, two new races were created. Yeah. yeah that didn't exist. Right. So the mystics, is, this was the whole like f- kind of cuckoo philosophical thing that Jim Henson was obsessed with. It was all super new age, but the idea that like it's unrealistic to try to purge everything bad about yourself that you kind of need both aspects of right. yourself to be like a whole person. Yeah. So it yeah. was uh, inspired by this super cuckoo book called the Seth material. Anyway, the 
So he really wanted to do this whole thing about dichotomy and how, like, you know, the idea of splitting your two halves of your personality and the mystics are kind of like these passive. They just went and retreated into the forest and don't do really do a lot. They're just slow and not productive. The Skeksis got power, but they're evil, blah, blah, blah. So by the time you get to the the second great conjunction in this story's timeline, the sons are coming back together is the only opportunity for them to but they also say in the movie that like if they if it doesn't the, or at least the Skeksis say that if they if the crystal isn't healed they'll rule forever so I guess it's, maybe they just meant like yeah so but why was the one Skeksis yeah why did dying? the emperor die like he didn't get enough podling essence or something well <laughs> they don't answer the, uh, that question in the movie they do answer it in the show uh, if okay. you're interested yeah, I, yeah. I'll just watch the show later because it seems like he was the only one aging for some reason well, it c- no, they imply that they age because like, cause they drink that stuff and then like they get younger or whatever, and yeah. like that guy can the see Gartha again. The Master drinks the yeah, yeah. podling essence; it makes yeah. him young for but a second. But why didn't the Emperor drink it? Well, they ran out. Remember, he's like uh, th- when uh, the Gartha Master drinks it, and he's like, "Oh, I'm young," and then he gets all mad and breaks everything, and the scientist limps away and goes, "It worked better when we used Gelfling." Yeah, they already. D- I mean, as far as they know, they've already killed all the Gelfling. So he just got the, he was the last one to get a sip. Yeah, he was just, Pretty I much. guess, the oldest, the first one to die. Yeah. It's pain is bad that he's the leader. I was terrified of that moment as a kid when the when emperor does dies and crumbles apart. I found it terrifying. That's gross. Did you try to put yourself in the mind of, like, if you were a kid that was going to see a Jim Henson movie, do you think you would have been a bit surprised? Totally. By the, by the thinking that you're getting like Sesame the, Street or Kermit and you're yeah, like, what the heck is age, this? I think it was really, really like creative and like a risk to take on, you know, in the movie world. So I think like I had tons of respect for that. The fact that you're doing, you're using all puppets. That's like bananas. So that's So good. you love it. No. Well, oh. yes. But, I mean, if you're asking if I like, liked the movie, it's no. <laughs> Like, did I enjoy watching it? Do I want to watch it again? No. <laughs> also, and no. And what's weird is there's other things I would watch again, but not this. I'd be like, Predator? I no, I don't want to watch. It's the same as Predator. <laughs> well, this no, Predator. Back to Predator. Live in the same What place. about a show where people just bake cakes? Yes. <laughs> I watch that a lot. You're going to love Rambo. <laughs> there's so many cakes. Matt, what was your experience? What was your first impression of Dark Crystal? Can My first know? impression was... Um, I watched Labyrinth when I was 15 for the first time and was blown away. I was like, this is... Because, you know, I was 15. I was trying to be so edgy. I was like, man, look at these cool puppets that aren't fuzzy frogs. This is the best. And then I watched that with a buddy from high school. And then a little bit later, he was like, dude, you should watch Dark Crystal. It's so weird. There's no people in it. And I thought it was just going to... I thought it was going to be Labyrinth, like funny... And musical, but just not have David Bowie in it. And then I was like, what? This is not that. This is not just Puppet Labyrinth. Dark. This is a, it is a dark and there's a crystal. Yeah, so I, I was a teenager, so it wasn't cool to like stuff, but I really liked it. And then I watched it. Um, I've watched it a couple of times since then. I keep kind of th- wondering if my kids are old enough. My eldest kid is nine. And so... She and my middle kid have both watched Labyrinth and really like it. And I think maybe 
we watched a little bit of the new show together and I think maybe they're ready to watch the movie, which is exciting to get to share that with my kids. I watched it again this week and I was glad I did because it had been a long time and I had forgotten a ton of parts and it was nice to watch it while I was also watching the show to be like, oh, that's cool how they took that from the movie and like retroactively made it this part in the show. So yeah, big fan. Bethy, if you, uh, what you're looking for without giving anything away about the show is a more detailed and fast paced story, but then, uh, but you are even remotely open to the idea of visiting this world again, then you might, you might give that show a try. Yeah. You're a TV person anyway, Bethy. TV junkie. I'm also a movie person. Yeah, but you know, you just watch every TV show that's ever released. That's actually, not accurate. Yeah, but you, your I Hallmark channel is just playing all the time. What? You love the Hallmark channel so much. I do. Lifetime. I do like Hallmark. Not Lifetime. Hallmark. Okay. I I think I don't know if I could do the show. Like I was really trying. I thought this would be a fun one. I really wanted to like it, but I yeah, I think you you'll feel differently about Labyrinth. Yeah, I don't know that I, w- I wouldn't use the word fun to describe the Dark Crystal. It's funny no. that uh, the na- the working title of the movie for a long time was just the Crystal, and then eventually it got changed. It's like, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, to add the dark in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's a good adjective. Why does it feel so? I mean, I, I is it dark because it's kind of like, why do you guys keep talking about like it's so dark? Because well, compared to other puppet movies, it's like. Yeah. Oh, just the themes. Well, yeah, but the themes and the topics of it. It starts out dark and it gets pretty hopeless. Like everybody's families. This even shows like the backstory of the Kira's family getting killed. Yeah, or her yeah. very little killed. comedy. Yeah. Right. Like the these two are the 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 last two survivors of what we're told was definitely a genocide. That's pretty dark. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it's kind of just like almost hopeless <laughs> till the very end. Right. Oh, okay. And then at the end, Kira dies, and you're like, oh, man, that sucks. Now they can't even make new golflings. Yeah, but I knew she was going to come back to life. Are you kidding me? Well, sh- all right. You knew that? From you the knew dead. that? You yeah, knew I think it? I knew that. Oh, shoot. I thought he was going to kiss her, though. That would have saved her. Yeah. Well, I thought Loved. it would have been something. I think but if it I had to be the kiss of true love. Yeah, true If I die kiss. in someone's That's arms, I want them to kiss me. Doesn't matter who it is. Well... Just anyone at all. If, someone, if a giant bird lizard Maybe stabs somebody. you in the back with a knife and then a boy picks you up, he has to kiss you. Mm. Within reason, right? Within reason. Okay. Well, if anyway. we're around, do you want us to let them know? We're just giving... Hey, in this situation, she would like you to... She specifically like said... someone who's said. in love with me and is handsome, sure. Maybe oh, we could just... so specific. So not an uggo that's in love with you. Maybe we could just go downtown and you can fall over on the street and we'll just start shouting for men to stop. <laughs> to scoop you up and kiss you. <laughs> Some lady comes by. No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's looking for the arms of a strong man. Okay, okay. Did you... Uh, do you think that you're... The the barrier between you and the movie, Bethany, had anything to do with the aesthetic that it's like a made up world of puppets, or was it really just that you were trying to find your place in the story, or both? Hmm. I think both. Um. What is your What is your uh, general thought and feeling about uh, fantasy films? I like fantasy. She loves Lord of the Rings, man. Outside of medieval fantasy, medieval fantasy is one thing, but it's a little more. Down to earth, I guess you could say, other than the down dragons. Down to Middle Earth. Down to Middle Earth. 
but what is your feeling toward the high fantasy like this? I think I generally like it. Like I like Star Trek too. That's you sci-fi. Know? Like okay, well I like whatever name fantasy one. I probably like it. That's why I was surprised. But I think it is the aesthetic that it, it kind of shocks your system because it's sort of bleak and at the same time, I, I, what I think is fascinating about it, if we're reflecting, it's like you're forced to actually really hone in on, to, in my opinion, the puppets. Like you're actually, the, they're the center of the whole thing. Your your eyes well, are sure. drawn to them, not the landscape. And right. Yeah. The landscape is like, meh. Every scene is like, meh. Uh, are you kidding me? What no. about those tracking shots You're in crazy. the swamp of like trees crawling out of the ground? Okay, and maybe a little bit, but all the tunnels and everything. Yeah, okay, it's I a marvel of set design. Okay. Yeah, the, in- the interiors of the castle. Oh are my crazy. gosh, that is insane! They built that all castle, that crap. Yeah. And think about those puppets, how tall they are. What about if there's a person <laughs> in there, plus then okay. all of that crap on okay. top? That what castle must have been gigantic. Yeah, jerk. Bethany, did you not <laughs> okay. see Agra's observatory? I must they have had built the eye that shut. thing with that. those planets twirling around the in there. Freaking, yeah, I yeah. thought that was really cool. Then they cool. broke it. I thought that yeah, was really cool. I thought it looked like Disney World. Okay. There's a ride called like Orbit or something. It's exactly like that. Okay. Did you um, not like Fizz Gig? You didn't like the little furry dog thing. He's a fr- no, he's I a friendly to be monster. Enchanted, but I was not. Oh, I love me some Fizz Gig. He's <laughs> got extra teeth like, at the back of his you mouth. You know I like little weird creatures. That's true. You do. But um, no, and I don't. Yeah, the storyline. I just thought it would be more fascinating, or maybe I just didn't catch it all, or something. It just seems like I got the the plot from the very beginning. I'm like, I already know what's gonna happen. That's how I felt. That's not unfair. And you're and it's not wrong that you say that it was in the beginning you said it's super, super simple. It actually is. It's very simple. Which is it, Bethany? Is it simple or is it confusing? Because you've said it's both now. Ooh. It is both. Oh, no, I can see why it. Bethany says that because the story arc is simple. It's a classic one, but the the details, because they are so incredibly dense could be confusing i think that it's a classic story in the sense of a young uh, um thing a young (laughs) thing has to navigate an unknown world to try and save the world that's a very that's a trope but i feel like the um the uniqueness of these creatures being one together after being separated by their own greed was pretty original Yeah. yeah but i did not know that at all you I could not understand what was happening. So to be fair, I didn't know that was that. What did you think was going on with was, the whole hand bleeding thing? Um, I don't know. I don't <laughs> so know there's some sort of connection I, think I did think, well, they look the same. They're the same breed. I don't know why these are monks and why these are bad guys. But it, it was like, okay, they just, you know how there's like good people and bad people? I thought that. Well, that's that's a, that's a very worn out story is, is good vision good versus evil the dark versus light but in this film dark was light and light was dark and it wasn't about one defeating the other but them being unified i was frustrated at the lack of motivation for the monks like i was like hey man if you're good you should be doing something that's actually productive well it took them a long time to get there they don't they didn't have any of their shadow side so they could not be shrewd or right Right. they couldn't but now i know that but remember when i'm watching it i don't know that (laughs) sure i'm like hey man 
what are you doing? They did exactly what they could to be in exactly the right place at exactly the they right time. They just hobbled on downtown. Yeah. Had to I get know. That and they you know, those like, Gartham got in their way and they just went, <laughs> and then the Gartham yeah. all they just started all doing their do. didgeridoo thing. At yeah. one point, Tyler laughed at like the 12-part harmony they were doing. Oh, you didn't? I love that part. I'm like, man, look at those Tibetan monks go. Well, it was, it was great, man. I was inspired. It starts to get funny when like one of them comes in high. They're all so low, and then one <laughs> yeah. just goes, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I laughed at that guy. Yeah, yeah. that guy's funny. All right, yeah. we're going to try that in a second. But first, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, can you do your best uh, Chamberlain impression? What? Please, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. <laughs> No, I can't do that. He's my favorite of yeah, all of all character. the characters Please? in the movie and the show. The Chamberlain is my As number one. As a kid, one. I thought that they were tearing his, his skin body off. Apart. Yeah, yeah, man, that part's so scary. I thought they were too. I thought yeah. they were going to eat him up. Yeah, the guy in thought, red is who we're talking about. I thought the yeah. ro- the red clothing that was being pulled off him was like his intestines or something. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it's a cool reveal when they step back and he's just they. They've not eviscerated him. They just humiliated him by right. derobing him. Yeah, and he's got his hand on the wall, and he's breathing heavy. Yeah, I did wonder you know. at that in the puppet level how and they the were doing level. that. The no, that's fair because then there's not the a guy inside that yeah. suit, yeah. is there? Then it's just they. But built he was still he was still behind the wall. Yeah. yeah, sure. Somehow behind the wall. That's the that's the fun is trying to guess where the puppeteer <laughs> is. <laughs> they probably don't want you to do that. <laughs> no, but that's true. Even when like. The mystics have four functioning hands. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're walking and someone's in there moving in this mouth and there's somehow people doing yeah, hands. That, those poor puppeteers had to just crawl on Oh, my gosh. In a squat position. Yep. While, while I was watching the film, it made me think of all the other films that came after it that borrowed from it a lot you ever you ever watch back and think oh oh that's where that comes from now yeah like what give us some examples tyler i was getting a lot of fifth element during the movie like i feel like a lot of the aesthetics were very fifth element oh really yeah like uh the the vulture looking the exesis skexis 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 yeah Yeah. they're big rounds and they they, the way they moved it felt very similar to the um the aliens that show up with the key to unlock the door oh the ones that don't really have a head it's like inside their armor yeah like just like those little bird heads stick out of their giant bodies yeah 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 and then the uh, the Agra, yeah, with her holding her eyeball up above her head, yeah, that's just real monsters. Ah, real monsters. <laughs> Crumb. Yeah. yeah, I used to love that show. Yeah, man, yeah. me too. You all know, right. it's uh, here's a funny anecdote in that vein. Uh, when they were redo, hey, it all comes back. This is like my dream episode. When they were redesigning Godzilla for the 2014 reboot, yeah, they went through obviously, you know, like dozens and dozens of drafts and designs and. One of the things that Gareth Edwards, the director that got broke by Star Wars, yeah, uh, he was so frustrated. He's like, the eye, the eyes aren't right. He really wanted the eyes to be perfect. So he brought in a, a his, one of his The Art of Dark Crystal books mm. and showed them a Skeksis and said, I want the eye to look exactly like this. And so they based Godzilla's no way. redesigned eye on Skeksis eye, that kind of sunken socket, like bird yeah. of prey looking thing. And now if you look at him, you're like, oh, yeah, sure enough. That's looks cool. like a Skeksy eye. Surely uh, Del Toro loved these movies. Yeah. Oh, Guillermo, yeah. yeah. Guillermo. And the yeah, best I, monster, man. Yeah, I honestly thought, to Tyler's point, when I f- the first time I saw Hellboy 2 in a theater, 
Um, Cause Hellboy one is a little more down the middle in terms of action sure. and adventure, but Hellboy two is fantasy out to yin yang. Yeah, it is. And I was like, this Joker loves Dark Crystal. I was yep. thinking it through the whole movie. This guy loved. I thought Dark that the Crystal. first time I saw Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like creature sure. designs too. Yeah, like, the Pan feels very like the like the yeah the fawn sorry feels like he would totally fit like in the background of like a shot from Dark Crystal and even his. I know they're like ram's horns, but even the way that they sit on his head are very much like Mother Augur's yeah, yeah. as well, you know? It's just the set designs in his movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very influenced. I think the cool thing about a movie like this, or the reason that I've uh, liked it for a long time, is that, to me, visually, it's interesting enough to watch and go, what the heck, and kind of be caught up in it, and it, that made it enough for me to want to go back to it again and again. For sure. Like, Oh, well, what's what's up with this? Because I can relate. My first time I watched it, I think the difference is only that uh, I was confused and I was thinking like, this seems like a tiny glimpse into a world that's much bigger. I liked, but I liked that about it. I liked that it was like, there's so many questions that you have and you only get to see this little bit of it. And I really liked the di- the whole dichotomy thing. You get because you're constantly going back. Oh, these characters are kind of pleasant. The bridge characters are cute enough, even though now they look pretty dated. To watch the effects now, it's amazing how jarring it is to be like, wow, that actually still looks good by today's standards. And then there'll be another shot of something like a blue screen the or, yeah, or like the bats. Yeah. The bats. Yeah, the, the crystal bats painting. are yeah, real Yeah, they bad. turn into animation. Yeah. <laughs> I said it before, Matt, though. The crystal bats. Yeah, are but I was those. thinking it. The matte paintings. But then there's also shots of matte paintings in particular like there's one at the beginning of the movie where Jen goes up on a, like a cliff face and he's looking out at the world. And he's like alone then. And you're like, uh, he's just, he's going to hit that painting if he goes another <laughs> 10 feet. <laughs> but then later in the movie, there's a shot where frame right, the mystics are all like going up a hill. And then to the left of the frame, you can see the, the castle of the crystal. Yes. And it looks good. And you're like, that still looks pretty good right For now. Sure. Like it, it doesn't certainly doesn't look any worse than like a CG background. So that's weird. The w- at the end when the crystal or when the castle turns white, everything you're s- it's like, oh, they're definitely not in there anymore. They start to you oh, can yeah, see you the can lines see around when, the yeah. when <laughs> Jen, Jen's carrying Kira towards the crystal and he's like floating. There's clearly like entirely the wrong shadow beneath his feet, and you're just like, oh, that's yeah. That he, they good. just layered that on top of another thing. Mother Augur's in that balcony, and you're like, no, she's not. Yeah. She ain't there. But somebody's got to try all that stuff for the yeah. first time, and then... I'm glad they did. Bethany's not. She's super ticked about it. No, I'm not angry about it. I mean, I think it's, like, good effort, everybody. Let's call it, Let's make take this one just for the team. But you're still <laughs> willing to try Labyrinth after all this? Yeah. I'm really I'm like glad I'm, like, a very open that. movie person, That's as great. you know. David Bowie sings and throws a baby in the air. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He has Uh-oh. really uh, tight spandex pants on as well. Oh, so... And David Bowie's crotch is probably the most famous character in that film. That's fair. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> just just wait. You'll you'll see. You can't not see it. Oh, here what? we go. Oh. <laughs> 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 Are there any Dark Crystal enthusiasts? in the audience today. Have any of you only recently sat down in the world of Thra? What did you think about the Dark Crystal and what did you think about our reactions to it or obsession with it? 
Please, by all means, leave a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com. Let us know what you think and where it diverges from what we think so that we can argue about movies. It's important to us. If you haven't yet, think about becoming a Patreon supporter by visiting You Hate Movies at patreon.com slash youhatemovies. 